Hello and welcome back to the Building HVAC Science Podcast, where we're here with the goal of helping building performance and HVAC technicians work better together with the ultimate goal of making customers happy in the homes they live in and the buildings they work in. Met a lot of interesting people in these last 30 years plus in the industry, and one that's going to stick out in my mind for a long time is our next guest on the podcast. That's Tersh Blissett. Eric and I will agree, Tersh would win the Best Dressed in HVAC Award if there was one. Maybe we should think of starting one. But beyond his dashing apparel, Tersh is a person of many talents. He's a visionary creator of the Service Business Mastery Podcast. Now he's co-hosting that with Josh Crouch. He, through this, he's a real font of wisdom and inspiration about tools, technology, and a lot of automation to help you run a better business. I really encourage you to look that up if you haven't already, Service Business Mastery. He's been doing this since 2017 when he became part of Brian Orr's Blue Collar Roots Network, which I also joined, which this podcast, Building HVC Science, was part of Brian Orr's Blue Collar Roots Network, along with a couple others. Now, while the Blue Collar Roots Network is now defunct, it provided the fertile ground for the launch of several podcasts, including this one and Tertius, and of course, the HVACR School. Now, this spirit of that Blue Collar Roots still lives on in these podcasts. Tersh has a really great entrepreneurial mind. He's built multiple profitable home service businesses that are thriving in the small town market of Savannah, Georgia. He's a constant learner in both technical and business aspects of his work. But more than that, he's a great communicator of what he learns, hint, through his podcast. And it's also on video too. And he keeps a crazy schedule between his business, his podcast, his community service and work, and most importantly, his family. If you ever get to meet Tersh, you'll understand he truly puts people over profits and teaches everyone from his office staff to his technicians, and you too, how to do the same. He excels in bringing the very best in technology to everything he does in HVAC. Got his link to his LinkedIn in the show notes. I'll put a link to the podcast in there too. But let's get on to this conversation with Tersh, where we focus in on using AI, artificial intelligence, in your HVAC business. Welcome back to Building HVAC Science. Got next to me my colleague in tools, Eric Kaiser, and my good friend from quite a number of years back, Tersh Blissett. Hey, guys. Eric, how long have you known Tersh? Oh, man. I think I met Tersh for the first time at one of the HVAC school symposiums, probably, in person. The first one? Yeah. We've known each other online for, I don't know, seven, eight years now, maybe? Probably almost as long as I've known Bill. Not quite as long as I've known Bill, but probably right after I met Bill. Yeah, I think I met you, Tersh, through Brian Orr when we had the ill, I wouldn't say ill, but the concept for the Blue Collar Roots Network. Now, I still love that concept. I think that there's so much potential there. I believe that we were all at a place that we were still running businesses and we still had other irons and fires, so we couldn't commit to it like we needed to in order to make it successful. But I think it's still there. Speaking of committing things to be successful, tell us your story. Give us your story in a nutshell here. What are you doing now and how'd you get there? My story gets more wild every year and every day. So when you and I first met, I had my first 
official HVAC business. I had a business before then, but it was more of very much a job, a hobby. Then I started TriStar with a business partner of mine and Tim. So Tim had the largest flooring distributor. He was the largest flooring distributor in Savannah and the largest paint company in Savannah because every time somebody moved out of an apartment complex, he would do all of the work on the turn is what they call it, turns. And he needed an HVAC guy, a plumbing guy. And so I was his GC or his contractor for a little while. And then he was like, let's go into business together. And I was like, all right, sounds good to me. Cause I instantly had like 2,500 properties to handle. So it was a win-win for both of us. And that business, we were growing like 90 to 120% year over year. And that's about the time that I was asked by Brian to come on his podcast and talk. It was me and Ruth King. We did a couple episodes where he released them all in one week talking about the business side of things because he doesn't really release business side of industry very much. That got me thinking and I was like, Brian, that was fun. I enjoyed it. It was weird how much I enjoyed it because I'm an extreme introvert. And so I don't mind talking to people, but I'm not good with crowds, but then to have that many people listen and give positive feedback, it was a pretty reassuring experience. So I reached out to Brian and said, Hey, if you ever wanted to start a business podcast, because there was a lot of positive feedback on that episode or those episodes, I said, don't hesitate, reach out. I'd love to be a co-host or whatever, help however I can. And he said, as a matter of fact, I've got a couple of buddies of mine and we're all thinking about starting this network. And I was like, all right, cool. Yeah, I'm down for that. And he was like, all right, you're going to start your own show and I'm going to show you how to do it. And I was like, no, 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 Brian. I said co-host. <laughs> I didn't say start my own show, but it was really cool. He showed me a lot of things. He was like, these are the tools you need. And this is back when, before Zencaster had video, before Zoom was really a thing. And so we did all this stuff as if it was a phone call, which was to think back now, it's crazy because now we're live streaming podcast episodes on, on YouTube and everywhere else and LinkedIn. Just for framework, that's around 2017, as I recall, middle of 2017. So it's really not all that long ago that things have changed so dramatically. Absolutely. Are you kidding? That's way back in the dark ages, it sounds like to me. It really was. It was pre-pandemic and pre-having to work remotely. But then I had a lot of people asking, how did I start the business? How did I, how was I growing between 90 and 120% year over year for several years running? And I said, you know what? I'm a glutton for punishment. Let me start another business. And so I put the feelers out there that I wanted to start a business. And I had a buddy of mine who was like, I'm sick and tired of my business. So why don't you just buy it from me? And I was not one that did my due diligence because he was a friend of mine. And so I ended up purchasing a failing business, a very bad failing business that I wasn't super aware of. So then the people on the podcast, that the listeners on the show could follow along. They were able to follow along and listen as I purchased a company called Icebound and then rebranded to Service Emperor, fired all of the customers pretty much. I don't pretty sure I fired every single customer in 2020, rebranded in 2020, basically a brand new company, and then turned around and grew that company. And now TriStar, I haven't stepped foot in since 2019, and Service Emperor is pretty much running on its own. I still do work in Service Emperor two days a week just for guidance reasons, but I have key management in place for that. And I am doing predominantly 
podcasting and working with AI in businesses and learning AI on how to use and automate your business remotely. So Service Emperor has been 100% paperless and 100% remote since day one. And I have to use a lot of automation. Now I use a lot of AI in that. That's where I'm at now. Going to events constantly. That's very interesting. I think I'm recalling correctly, you were recording podcasts from the truck. Oh yeah, I did do that. I did that a couple of times. It's funny because a few episodes, whenever I first purchased Icebound, it was conversations between Brandon and myself. And I would just record everything. And it was as if people were listening like a fly on the wall. There were some pretty intimate conversations that we had. Like Brandon's like, I don't want to be in this anymore. I don't feel like you're pulling your weight. You're not out in the field. And I was like, look, man, I told you from day one, I wasn't going to be in the field. If you were going to stay on board, you were going to be a technician. And I don't believe that you're able to relinquish the role of ownership and just be a technician of this company. I think you'd be better off if you went to work for someone else doing a technician role. And he did. He actually left and went to work for someone else as a technician and was a great technician. But the fact that he had the emotional ties to the business, he couldn't release that mindset while still working here or with Icebound. We had that conversation and all that was recorded and you could hear stuff clinking around in the back. You could hear doors slamming shut and stuff like that. And some of it, I didn't release, but most of it I released. It's funny because there was a few times where like I needed an intro. And so I actually, and it wasn't very authentic. Like it wasn't in the studio. I wasn't able to recreate the same sounds. So I literally went outside, got in the car, and, like slammed the door shut and started driving down the road recording my intro because it was too quiet and too soundproofed in the office. Sometimes you need that little bit of distraction in the background, right? Just to give it a frame of reference. Yeah, that's crazy. So that may have been the first HVAC soap opera. As the veins turn, maybe you could have called it. <laughs> there were some soap operas going on back in the day. We had some good stuff <laughs> going on uh, a couple of years back. A lot of that's chilled out a lot, but for a while there, it was getting juicy in the HVAC world. There was definitely some interesting things happen. So you just came back from an event where you did your first keynote speech presentation. And for a guy who just proclaimed himself as shy, how did that go? If I wasn't talking about AI and automation, I would have been up there trembling. I'd been like a leaf in the wind, 100%. But honestly, when we first got up there, because it was Josh, my co-host, and I, we were together on the stage. And we riff off of each other really well. The moment we got up there, I was like, Josh, why are we even up here? We're talking artificial intelligence. And he's like, that's why we're here, because we're not talking real intelligence or else you and I wouldn't be invited. And so then it just went from there. And so then it felt more like a podcast episode with a live audience. And I think one of the things that's really helped me out with that is when we go to AHR Expo, we had the podcast pavilion. There are crowds of people who can sit down and just listen to us have the conversation. So it really felt like that, but just on a much larger scale. And I didn't have a microphone to hide behind because they gave me a lav mic. And they were like, do you want a lav mic or a handheld mic? And I was like, I'll be honest with you, I really want a handheld mic. But I had the clicker too. So I was like, I'm going to screw this up. So you can give me a lav mic. 
try to click with the microphone and talk to the clicker. <laughs> 100%. I can see where that would be easy to do. But yeah, I was at Service World Expo and the Business Uncensored event in Phoenix, Arizona. And we gave the keynote on how AI is disrupting the trades. And I reached out to you, Bill and Eric, prior to the event because I was getting a little stumped on if anybody in the trades on the tool side of things, if anybody was using any AI. And I found it very interesting that while there's not specific AI being used or machine learning, and for those who are listening to this and are in the realm of AI and machine learning, they'll know that a lot of what I'm talking about is in reality, machine learning, not AI, but AI is the buzzword. And that's what I use. And that's what we all say. But there's some pretty cool things that are coming out that are machine learning wise that are going to be good for the technicians. It has some work. It still needs some work done to it. There's a few like Interplay Learning has Sam, which is a guide that helps teach people when they have questions using machine learning or AI. Bluon has their, what's it called? Master Mechanic. And it's based off of 50,000 conversations they've had with technicians over the past several months and input that data. The challenge with that, and Jim Bergman and I had a long conversation about this because I was trying to pick his brain and see how much he'd tell me about MeasureQuick. And he said that the data from MeasureQuick is going to be added to some AI platforms. So then it'll help to diagnose things a little bit more. And that's been the roadmap, I guess. But I don't know. That's about as encrypted as Jim would give me information wise. But one of the things that he and I kicked back and forth about the master mechanic thing was a really good tech support individual. Like I remember I had a guy, just so happened his name was Bill. He was my tech support guy. He was the crotchiest old man. He was just, if people got him, because it was three tech support guys for train. That's what I grew up working on was train. And there was three tech support guys that if you called and you got Bill, 90% of the time you hung up, <laughs> tried calling back. But me, I don't know why. But he just took to me because I told him from day one, I was like, look, man, I'm a green tech, but if you'll tell me what to do, I'll do anything you want. And so I knew every single time I got up there, he wanted to know my Delta T and he wanted to know my pressures. So if I got on that roof and I didn't have my pressures and my Delta T, he was going to hang up on me. But he knew the right questions to ask. This is what I'm getting back to. A great tech support guy or gal is going to be somebody who knows the right questions to ask in order to get to the end result that they want. and. The machine learning that's out there now, the AI that's out there, doesn't know the questions to ask. It can give you a generic response, even a response that's less for homeowner, more for technician, but it's all based on the question that you ask it. And so if you don't ask it the perfect question, you're not going to get the answer that you really need. And so that's going to be the challenge that has to be figured out over the next several years. It's going to be interesting to watch for sure, because you've done and I've done, Bill's done, we've all played around with the different AI tools out there to some extent. And you're right, it's interesting to watch the language. I almost think of what we have now as AI as basically a glorified search engine is what it seems to be in my mind. It just consolidates and looks across a wide array of answers and then comes up what it thinks are the best answers out there rather than not super intelligent yet, I don't think. We're using the true tech on our business side of things. My son, Billy's done some real good exploration there with chat GPT and the paid version. And he'll do things like 
dump in a spreadsheet of data and then just start asking questions. Show me the relationship between this, this, and this. And there it is. It's really cool. The data analytics or the data analysis feature on the ChatGPT4, you literally can put a spreadsheet in there, hit the analyze button and say, tell me about this spreadsheet. And it can just spit out all this crazy data and talk about some really cool stuff for the business side of HVAC world and all businesses. You can dump your P&Ls in there. Not that you want your P&Ls across the entire internet, but I'm a small fish in a very large pond, so nobody really cares about my P&Ls. I stick them in there and it can tell me how I'm trending, like what I need to be looking out for because this particular line item is trending up and this line item is trending down. That's an indication that your labor's high, your warranty calls are going up or something to that effect. It's really crazy the way that it'll analyze, but there's a lot of plugins that are available with ChatGPT and I probably use solid 40 to 50 times a day. And I'll tell you that if anybody's emailed me in the past three or four months, there's a strong possibility that it wasn't me that responded, that it was ChatGPT that's responded to all my emails. I have some filters built in there because it was trying to respond to spam messages too. So I had to figure that part of it out because when I first started out, it doesn't actually hit reply because I don't trust it to reply. It could, but I don't want it to. It just creates a draft and then I just skim over the draft and then hit send. But when I first started it, I was getting between 75 and 100 drafts every day that it was creating. Now it's down to probably six to 12 drafts. So there's like six to 12 legitimate emails that I'm receiving that need a reply, a response from me. So I had to work through all of that. If it has no reply in the from, it filters out. The other thing I had to do was I had to put a delay on it. Oh man, I'd be in the middle of hit typing my own response and then all of a sudden a chat GPT response would pop up right there. And I was like, well, dang it. That one sounds even better than mine. <laughs> I'm going home. I had to put a four hour delay on it so that if I didn't respond in four hours, then chat GPT could, could jump in there and respond to it for me. But yeah, it's, there's so much Google reviews. They're all chat GPT, Google reviews, the job summaries for the technicians. They'll type out their job summary and then toss it into chat GPT and then copy and paste it back into the system. So it takes the industry jargon out of the job summary so that the consumer can understand it a lot easier. That's a very interesting application right there is taking technical writing and turning it into a customer facing written document. Yeah, exactly. That was, I was at a restaurant one time with one of my lead technicians and he was like, man, you're, when you type out, cause I have it on text message too. And sometimes if I ever send a long text message, it wasn't me that sent it because I'm not a long typer. And he was like, the message that you sent out this morning in our Slack group, it was very thoughtful. And I was like, I'll tell you that that message was not thoughtful when I typed it. It was very not happy message because it was actually lots of people dropped the ball. And if everybody had dropped the ball, like if two more people had dropped the ball, we could have gotten into serious trouble type conversation. I entered the conversation scalding people. And ChatGPT turned it all around. So it was sounded very professional and it was very like, hey, you let me down type thing. And so at the end of the thing, whenever he read it, he was like, it didn't sound scalding. I felt sorry. I felt that I let you down. And so I was like, well, good. That's not how I typed it. I sat there and I showed him exactly how to do it. And it takes emotion out of it. So like if you get a one star review, 
ChatGPT doesn't care about your business. It's not his baby or her baby. They're not going to leave the same review that I would. I want to like street fight them. But I was showing Tony right there at that counter. And I said, here's the app. And I put it on his iPad. So I copied his summary out, put it in there. And then one of the things that I have set up there is it's, I forget what it's called. It's a prompt and it's saved in there that my name is Tony. The company's name is Service Emperor. We do HVAC plumbing electrical and make sure that this conversation does not have any industry jargon in it. And it's very simple for the homeowner to read and understand. And so then it spits out relatively consistent information every time. And what's great is that if all the technicians use it properly, and I want to preface that if they use it properly, it's very consistent language across the whole company. So like if the same, if two different technicians go out to the same house, they get a similar communication pattern with the client, which is not normal whenever you have a bunch of technicians talking to a homeowner. Yeah, it's not normal, but it is very nice for a continuity across a company. Are you seeing any of the, we'll say CRMs, the customer management software, are they starting to use that inside of their software for developing those responses? Not ChatGPT. They're using some AI. All of, well, I say all of them. I only regularly use three of them and all three of them are using some form of AI for dispatching. So they're taking, it's a loosely version of AI versus machine learning. So say that you have a technician who has like an 80% close rate or conversion rate on furnace service calls. So you got a broken furnace, they convert 80% of the time, but they're 45 minutes away from the house. There's a guy that's 10 minutes away from the house that has a 20% conversion rate on furnaces, but has an 80% conversion rate on heat pumps. And it's the next heat pump calls 30 minutes away from the house. It will figure the math of, is it worth the time to drive 45 minutes to have an 80% conversion rate? Or should we send that person that has that conversion rate to the heat pump call, which is only 15 minutes away from them, but they don't have the same conversion rate on heat pumps that they do on furnaces. So it does all that figuring and it'll move the board around. So it says, okay, they'll pass by each other and get confused or irritated. And they're like, man, this drive time sucks. I'm like, yes, but your conversion rate's a lot higher on these heat pumps than they are on furnaces. Well, I want to try or I want that furnace call so that I can prove it. And it's like, all right, you got to prove it everywhere. You can't just do really good at heat pumps because they come natural to you. If you really want to be able to be the super tech, then you need to educate yourself on furnaces and just like prove to everybody that you're able to diagnose and convert on furnace calls, just like you can on heat pump calls. So it gives that feedback to the technicians and lets them know where they should be training and using stuff like interplay learning to do that. So you talked earlier about Service Emperor business being 100% paperless and remote and employing a lot of automation. That's what you mainly cover in your podcast. Is there any other place where you assemble all that? You thread it together? Like, man, where's your book? Josh and I, we joked about this the other day. On our website, we do have a couple of automation ideas a form that's got like, I don't know, 50 or 60 automation ideas. It's, it's actually a Google spreadsheet. So like as we add some, we'll add them to the bottom of that spreadsheet. So if anybody ever wants any of that, 
they can do that. If they want step-by-step, like since this keynote, we've had a ton of people say, hey, I have Service Titan or I have Sarah, but I don't have any of the automation you were talking about. How do I even start? What is Zapier? Like, how do I make web hooks? And I was like, I can show you how to do it. So we're going to create some videos and some video content out there for that. And sounds like we need to do it sooner than later because I've probably gotten 25 emails today just on that. And we got 49 people who signed up for and asked questions about the automation checklist from the website just on the day we gave the keynote. And it's had a lot of buzz on LinkedIn too. I don't know about y'all, but we have crazy engagement on LinkedIn. And ever since that keynote, we've had even more engagement. That's interesting. It seems like a lot of people are really interested in it. Obviously, you're thinking it's a good thing right now. I'm guessing that by the amount of time you're spending on it and how much you're integrating it into your businesses. Do you think, do you see it getting better? Do you see it becoming more accepted in the industry? And and do you see it replacing people in the industry or parts of people in the industry at, at some point? No, I would say automation would replace people before AI. And I have replaced people with automation because I don't have to have anybody that checks all of my social media for mentions and then responds to them because I have automation that will do that. Whenever we get a review or a recommendation automatically, before we had AI to create a human-like response, I had a generic response that was already created to send to people. When I had a Google review that was a five-star that had a comment, I had a table inside of a Google Sheet that Zapier could pull any of the five messages out of there and it would randomize it. So it wasn't the exact same message every time. You're probably going to say that anyway. You got something in your head that you're going to say along these lines, you're going to vary it up a little bit just to not make it boring. Exactly. And the only difference now is the fact that ChatGPT will actually pull the person's name and then put it back in there. It'll pull actual information that they mention in the comment, the review, and put it back in there. And it also takes emotion out if you ever have a like one star or three star review. It's very, I don't want to say politically correct, but it's very not my personality because if you said something, like I said before, we're going to go street fight over it. That stuff, I've done away with office staff for those types of things like registering warranty. As soon as a job sold, automatically creating a Trello board, adding the items to the Trello board, letting people know that parts need to be ordered, equipment needs to be ordered, where that is along the process. Like all of that stuff has been automated for a couple of years now. I actually had a conversation with Brigham Dickinson. He is the founder of a company called Power Selling Pros, which is a CSR training organization. And one of the things that he and I talked about was, will AI replace a CSR? And if it does, it's going to be many years from now because there's platforms out there like air.ai that is a answering service that's AI, but it still has its moments where it's like thinking and it has pauses and you can tell it's a bot or it's something AI or whatever. There's a lot of people who get irritated with that. I'm one of them. I use AI all the time, but man, give me a bot and I'm going to hit zero until I get somebody. <laughs> give me somebody to talk to. I can relate to that. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be several years before people trust it enough 
to where it could even potentially replace a CSR. Brigham made a good point, and he said, CSR, as a dispatcher, instead of being worried about it replacing you, use it as a tool to make yourself even better. That's the concept I like. In my mind, and I've been probably only looking at it for the last three, four months, but I call it a co-pilot. Somebody's going to help you out, help you navigate, help you find your way, give you some ideas. That's what I use it for a lot is I'll say, just ask it a straightforward question like you're talking to yourself, which is a whole nother issue I have. And it comes back with something and then you can explore and you can refine it. That's the other thing. If no one's ever used it, you can come back and say, I'd like to give this response to a customer, but put it in a friendly tone. And it comes back and say, could you make that in bullet points and make it even friendlier? And then you could even say like, and give it a Louisiana accent and it will. Yeah, it will. It's wild. Truly it is. So we had a not recommendation on Facebook and the person was unrealistic. We had met all of the needs. We had done everything that we promised to do way beyond what we had promised to do because we had already told them, they called in at 4.30 and they demanded service that same day. Our guys were literally booked until 8 p.m. that night, but they just happened to be near where another call is located. And we were like, we'll squeeze you in there, but it's going to take them probably two hours to finish up. They got online and they were like, we're a maintenance membership person. That's complete garbage. They should have stopped what they were doing and been here within an hour. And I wanted to reach through that computer and just have some one-on-one time with this person. And I just said, let me pop this right into ChatGPT. And ChatGPT, the response was like, oh my gosh, the ChatGPT was talking to every other person who was reading the responses. So it was very much like, I really do apologize if you do have any, or it said, I wanted to tell the guy, look, dude, every one of our phone calls are recorded. So you're lying right now. Like, I will post the recorded phone call right now for everybody to know you're so full of it. And ChatGPT was like, thankfully, we have recorded phone calls to ensure that we can train our dispatchers and our CSRs on a regular basis. And so it was like ChatGPT was saying, hey, look, we got recorded phone calls without saying I'll post the recorded phone call. It was funny because a friend of mine who's not in the industry listened to it because they posted this in like a neighborhood group chat thing on Facebook. And he was like, man, at first I thought y'all had really dropped the ball on it. But then the longer I read the conversation and how many times you kept trying to take it offline and you kept trying to be very polite and respectful and you were still continuing to try to do whatever it took to make them happy. Those people are just unpleasable. And everybody can read that, that they're just an unhappy person. It was just the craziest thing because that's not how I would reply. And a couple of years ago, I would have just had to do damage control because I would have had to deal with it the next day. And that's just something that I don't have to do anymore. And I actually shared the entire thread. At first, I was really irritated with the team because we did drop the ball on some of it because that client actually had called the night before in the after hour service, but they didn't leave an emergency message. They just said, hey, we want to schedule a tune up. But we had waited until lunchtime to call them back to schedule the tune-up because we were dealing with emergency calls through that morning. And we should have called them first thing in the morning. They had called the night before. So I was mad that we dropped the ball in that aspect. But then everybody read the entire conversation and they were like, good job. You handled it well. I was like, well, I didn't do that. But yeah, thanks. (laughs) So I got a question. Are we really talking to Tersh Blissett right now? (laughs) Right. (laughs) It's funny because a friend of mine, Michelle, 
LaFrance, she was at the keynote that I gave. And one of the things that I said was, if I've responded to an email in the past three to six months, it's probably not me. It was probably AI of some sort. And she made a LinkedIn post that said, key takeaway from the keynote. If you want to talk to Tersh, make a phone call because he's not the one who responds to his email. Or no, she said, he never responds to his email. And I said, I didn't say I don't respond. I just don't reply. You don't write the reply. I don't write the reply, but I still read it and send it to you. Technically, you're responding there. Yes. You're just not writing the words. You're reviewing them and saying go. So it's like having an assistant on your phone or wherever at. It's a respectful assistant. Yeah. And the thing about it is, is like how we can use AI in the trades, the blog posts that we come up with. I'm not necessarily a creative person, but I can nitpick the heck out of an article. I'll put one of my top ranking blog posts into chat GPT and create, I have a prompt that's a pre-built prompt that said outrank this article. And so it'll use SEO and everything else. It'll scrape the information and it'll outrank it. But I still, as the professional in the industry, have to go through and read the blog post and make sure it's actually accurate. So yes, in the next couple of years, 90% of the blog posts and articles you're reading are going to be AI written. The real differentiator is how engaging will it be and how accurate to the industry will it be? That's where Google is really going to pay close attention to that information. Well, and I think it's how well it's reviewed by the person that, okay, we didn't write it, but that person's going to review it and edit it. Bill, I just want to say I'm like 99.9% sure we're talking to the real Tersh right now because we're looking at him and nobody else in this industry dresses that good. That's right. <laughs> I appreciate that. I appreciate that. If there was an award in this industry for best dressed person, I think Tersh has got that locked up. Well, maybe we need to make that award. Yeah. We need to come up with that award. That and shoes. I go to these expo events. I'm going to one every other week for the next couple months. And I took this past week, we were in Phoenix, Arizona, and I took some gym shorts and like a gym cutoff tank top shirt and some tennis shoes. And I was wearing it around the complex and, oh my gosh, I thought people's heads were going to explode for real. They were like, "Mm -mm, no, go back and change. (laughs) People forget too. I have full tattoo sleeves and people see me with a cutoff t-shirt and they're like, "Mm, no, that's not Tersh. That's not who I'm used to seeing. (laughs) (laughs) It's not the real Tersh. That's right. Will the real Tersh Blissett please stand up? (laughs) Right. And these shoes, they're comfortable, but they're not tennis shoes comfortable after been walking around for 16 hours a day. So it's like, oh gosh, I'm tired of this. But then I I don't back myself into a corner now. Yeah. You've done it. Yeah. Want to give us an idea where you're going to be in the next few weeks? Give a shout out to these events. I'll be at Tommy Mello's event in Orlando, the 1st through the 4th of November. Then the next week, I'll be at the Women in HVACR event in Jacksonville, Florida. In October 7th or 18th and 19th, I'll be at the Future of HVAC Summit. That's going to be an online? Yeah, it's a virtual one. Let me see. I know in January, I have the BDR Spark event, which is in Savannah, Georgia, my hometown. And obviously we have the HAC School Symposium in Orlando and then the AHR Expo in Chicago. That'll be my first time going to Chicago. No kidding. Wow. I broke my leg the last time 
whenever we were going last time. Yeah, like a week or two before the event. And you gave me some awesome excuse as to why you broke your leg. Do you remember it? Yes, I remember it like it was yesterday. I was playing soccer, kids versus adults. And I was running and I stepped in a pothole as I planted my foot and yeah, snapped my ankle. But he told me he was mountain climbing. (laughs) He fell. (laughs) That's probably what I did tell you. (laughs) If you ever catch me mountain climbing, go call somebody because something's chasing me. (laughs) There's a bear coming after me. I have an event that's like 30 business owners in a couple of weeks. It's like the week after the future of HVAC summit. And it's a survival event where we're going to Rome, Georgia, and you got to like survive 24 hours with night nabbing and everything else. And it's like a mentality thing. And there's a Navy SEALs leading it. And I'm not excited about it at all, but I agreed to do the podcasting and recording of it before I knew that that's what we were going to be doing. And then Steve Adario is who's leading it. He's like, no, you can't back out. Like I was in the Air Force, I was TACP in the Air Force, and so I had to do this. And I did not like it when I was in shape and I was super up to date on all of the navigation stuff. I didn't have fun then. I definitely, I'm going to be 40 years old in December. I know I'm not going to have fun doing it. (laughs) I got no desire to do this. Never know. You might find a second love for it. I don't. The things I do for podcasts, especially if you get video out of it, that just makes it so much better. I'll have a GoPro or two with me. So what do you think's next for Tersh? Is this AI thing like something you really, it sounds like. I enjoy it. Yeah. The cross between automation and AI. Yeah. I enjoy it, but there was a period in my life that I absolutely loved being a business owner too. Mm -hmm. Now I could take it or leave it. (laughs) I enjoy the satisfaction of fixing air conditioning units, but I don't want to do it every single day. I can get in a truck and do it, but. If I had to do it every single day of the week, I'd go crazy. I hope that I don't get that way with this automation and AI stuff. I think I would enjoy teaching it. The challenge that I have is imposter syndrome of there's a lot of people who are like, wow, you know a lot about this. But then I'm like, mm, there's a lot of other people that know a whole lot more about this than I do. So like when I start teaching it, I feel like, am I the right person to teach this? Because I don't know that I know everything there is to know about it. I don't know if that makes sense or not. Your integrity has you learning. Yeah. To what you talked about and relate. And you're processing it through a unique, well, maybe AI version of yourself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can't speak for Bill, but I can say that you're preaching to the choir here because I've definitely suffered from the imposter syndrome for a lot. It's a real thing and it's hard to get through. It's rough. Yeah, it is. Bill and Brian and I did a podcast a long time ago together. One of the things we talked about was imposter syndrome and dealing with imposter syndrome as a podcaster who has, we have a platform. A lot of people listen to us. There's people who are way, way more successful than I am listening to me, asking me questions. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, I should be asking you questions, (laughs) not you asking me questions. I get it. I understand that the way that I automate things is not normal. I've accepted that aspect of it. But don't ask me questions about a P&L because we're in a different boat. You know way more things about that than I do. That would be like a pimento cheese and lettuce in your area, right? (laughs) Yeah. That's the cool thing, though. We all get to bring our own experiences to the table. And one of the things that I have absolutely loved about just the internet and the community that we've built online 
is that we all get to share our experiences and we get to come together and build everybody up and everybody is getting better because of it or everybody that participates, I guess, is getting better because of it. It is a really awesome community. I mean, we were in Atlanta together last year and it's not just us that get to grow together. Like our wives got together and hanging out. They were just a clucking away over there in the corner and just having a good old time. And the community is very strong. And without the internet, we wouldn't have that because if we just met each other at the trade shows once a year, sure, we could have a slight relationship, but this is an ongoing seeing each other and interacting with each other, which is really important and impactful for me. Yeah, I agree. Like you said, getting her wives, whatever kids at some point probably involve some people, it brings the whole family together a lot closer. It's made a big family. My oldest two are actually, they've gone to a couple of events and been my little podcast do boys. Nice. Go get me them tools. <laughs> <laughs> so what's a closing thought that the best dressed man in HVAC can give us? If it's normal, do the exact opposite. Oh, I like that. And you were ready with that. That was already in the chamber right there. <laughs> That's my lifelong saying. If it's normal, you won't catch me doing it. It's going to be a rarity. You're going to catch me doing it. That's why 145 degree attic, I'm wearing a three-piece suit. That's why Tersh is the best dressed man in HVAC. It is. That's why I don't pull up in a regular service vehicle. Like I had up a limo that's jacked up. With 53 inch mud tires. Wait a minute, a, a jacked up limo? How big is this? 53 inch mud tires. Fingers crossed, everybody will see it at the HVAC school symposium. As long as I don't get arrested driving it through Florida. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're pretty much allowed to drive anything you want in Florida from what I understand. I'm pretty sure that's right. But I also know that it's illegal in some states just because of how tall it is. And it's already a limousine, which is skirting the rules anyways because it's already modified to the extreme but yeah as long as i get it wrapped that's my thing i want to make sure it's wrapped before i come and i get it wrapped then i'll bring it down to florida for the symposium well you heard it here folks look for the giant limousine yeah we'll have a party we'll podcast an episode in the back yeah (laughs) (laughs) or do other hood rat stuff in it you never know Thanks so much for coming on and sharing all this. And I'm sure you got a lot of minds stimulated here. And what's the best way for people to reach you? What's a good link medias? Servicebusinessmastery.com. In there, you can click all around. There's different links to me. My bio is in there with links to all of my social media stuff. Very good. And that's your podcast too, right? Service Business Mastery. Yep. Service Business Mastery. The actual company's name is Skilled Trade Syndicate. So if you hear Skilled Trade Syndicate talking about AI or anything like that, just know that that's service business mastery. Nice. Thanks again for coming on, Tersh. Appreciate it. Absolutely, guys. I really appreciate it. I'm honored. Oh, thanks. Honor's ours. Thank you. I'd like to thank you again for listening to this episode of the Building HVAC Science Podcast, where we had a fun time. Eric and I had a fun time talking with Tersh Blissett about using AI in your HVAC business. I also host the ResTalk podcast where you can learn more about the world of home energy ratings and peripheral topics. If you like what you've heard today in the pod, if you've not yet subscribed, please consider doing so and feeding back to us at any point at marketing at truetechtools.com. As I always say, there's a lot of great trade-related resources and influencers out there. I'll put at the top of my list, Service Business Mastery. 
And we got quality HVAC, HVAC overtime, HVAC our videos, homediagnosis.tv, AC service tech, measure quick, HVA chicks, the misfits of HVAC, the HVAC grapevine, HVAC our school, of course, HVAC shop talk, Stephen Reardon, HVAC reefer guy, and tool pros. If you're interested in any products that we might carry at True Tech Tools, and full disclosure, a co-owner of True Tech Tools, and this podcast is a production of True Tech Tools. If you're interested in any of those tools that we carry at truetechtools.com, use the offer code HVACBS for a nice discount. I want to thank you again for listening to this episode of the Building HVAC Science Podcast, and we look forward to bringing more great content your way in the future. Take care.